Amen. As you find a seat, say hello to somebody, and we're going to dive straight in this morning. All right. We got a lot to cover, and uh, we're going we're gonna to dive straight in. I experienced two miracles this week. Do y'all want to know about them? Even if you didn't, I was still going to tell you. Um, two miracles. The first one, I did my first Spanish-speaking wedding yesterday, uh, but I did not speak Spanish, just, by, just to clarify. Uh, I had a translator, and um, it, was, it, went, it went well. Um, I've got some great stories from that I'll share for another time. And uh, the second miracle was uh, my daughter, she, she dropped her stuffed animal in Target. I, I posted about it on the, the interwebs this week. And uh, if you've got a kid that has a lovey, you know that you need that thing for them to go to sleep. Can I get an amen? Okay. And so I, I put out, you know, the alert where we're looking for a, a pink sloth in Target, all right? And uh, Kendra called me. I'm in my office. I think it was on Thursday, and I'm like freaking out because, uh, you know, she's like, the lovey's gone, the lovey's gone. And I'm like, oh, no. And so... Uh, this is a crisis situation. So I, I go up to Target, and uh, I didn't preface anything. I just walked up to the first employee I could find. And I said, have you seen a pink sloth? And she looked at me like I was an idiot because there was no context. And she was just looking at I was like, well, you're no help. I asked the next person, and then I realized they have no clue I'm talking about a stuffed animal. Okay, and so I gave some context, and by the power of God, we found pink sloth. Can I get an amen, all right? Um, raised from the ashes, and, and we, are, we are very thankful for that. Um, as some of you may know, I want to give kind of uh, some announcements real quick. November is a very special month uh, that we know as Adoption Awareness Month. And, and I just want to say this morning... If you are here and you call New Life Church home, or maybe, maybe you're visiting, this isn't necessarily for you, but if you call um, New Life Church home and you have been through the transformation process of being adopted into a family and God has changed your life through this process, we'd, we would love to know about it. What we are trying to do in this region, in this city, and this church is to raise awareness for many things. And, and adoption, and, and especially with foster care, is one of the big areas that we're going to put a lot of attention uh, in, the, in the coming years as a church. And so if you have been adopted and you would like to share your story um, to help raise awareness in this area, we would love to know uh, you, and we would love to, to get in touch with you. You can text FADE to 88000. You can fill out a Connect card, or you could just come talk to a human being. We like that as well. And uh, we want to get some videos together and uh, help aware, raise awareness in this region. Uh, we had Sisterhood Night, uh, I guess a few nights ago, to all the ladies. Did y'all have fun at that? Uh, if you missed it, just know there's a lot more of those to come. Uh, we're going to have guys' nights like that. We're going to call it Mr. Hood. And I'm kidding, we're not. It's going to be men's night, all right? Uh, we, we're going to have some fun stuff coming up for men as well. But I, I was laughing because I was in the back walking around. I was just getting videos and stuff. And I, I, was, I was talking with Miss Paulette, and, and she's like, Seth, Seth. She's super sweet if you haven't met her. She said, we should paint a picture on Sunday. Because they did this painting along with the message. Ladies, did y'all have fun at that? It was so cool. I was jealous. I wanted to paint with y'all, but I, I told all the guys, you know, don't come. It'd be weird. And, um, and so I, she's like, we should paint a picture on Sunday, you know, with the message. And I was like, well, I'm actually preaching about Stephen who died for his faith. It's going to be a weird picture, you know. And, so, and I was like, he was drugged through the streets and stoned to death. We don't want to paint that picture. But, but I do want to paint a picture today. You see what I did there? Um, I want to paint a picture uh, of a man's reputation who was literally solid gold. 
This was not a sinless man. This man was, was a human, but his reputation in the book of Acts is one that is worth us duplicating today in our life. Stephen, write this down, he was all in for his faith. We're going to be in Acts chapter 6 and 7 today. We're going to give an overview. We're going to read a lot of scripture about uh, his life and, and how he was uh, remembered. Today, I would like to take a look at Stephen's life and see what we can learn from it. Today, we're going to get about a 10,000-foot view of what's happening in this text, and I'm going to do my best to um, explain his character and how we can learn from it today. So what led up to this was, as you know, we've been covering the book of Acts, that the early church waited on the Holy Spirit. Peter shows up, he preaches, repent and be baptized. 3,000 people put faith in Jesus, and the church begins to grow, begins to grow. And as we progress through Acts, um, they devote themselves to teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. And this is the beginning of the church. They, they heal this beggar. Peter and John walk up, and this guy says, uh, do you got any money? And they say, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. They grab this man, and this guy actually goes into the Sanhedrin, the, the temple area, and all of these people see the guy that has never walked is now running and praising God. And through his testimony, 2,000 more people get saved, okay? The church is exploding. 5,000 plus people are now following Jesus. And uh, the disciples are getting persecuted. They were put in prison. They were released from prison. And then they were reunited. We spoke a message called Reunited and what? It feels so good. All this is on YouTube if you need to catch up to speed. And uh, they were reunited with the church, and it's really interesting how the church responds. The church responds with prayer, and they teach us that we can pray immediately, that we pray out loud. There's power and authority in that, and that when we pray in unity, everybody say unity. We're going to talk about unity a little bit today, but when we pray in unity, there is so much power in that, and they reminded themselves who they prayed to, O sovereign God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the sea and the, the dry land. They, they were getting their hearts right before God. And then we studied this, this couple, Ananias and Old Sappy, okay? Uh, chapter 5 of Acts, and these two people died, and they were disobedient to God. And we talked about what it looks like to fake it till you make it, okay? And playing church and going through the motions and all of that. And uh, two weeks ago, we talked about persecution. We, we talked about how persecution actually has a purpose in that there's a promise to remember when you endure persecution or opposition as a believer. And then chapter 5 ends by telling us this. If their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will what? It'll fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God day after day in the temple courts and house to house. They never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Remember, there's, there's no space between that chapter and the next one. It's a continuation into chapter 6. And it says in those days, if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Acts 6 starting off. Uh, I think it's going to be on the screens as well. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, among them, they complained. Everybody say complain. Y'all ever been around somebody that complains a little bit? Man, 
Everybody knows some, some of y'all are sitting with them right now, okay? Just give them a little nudge, all right? Y'all can talk about it after. They were complaining against the Hebraic Jews, and, and because their widows, this, is the, this is, gives us context for the whole thing. Their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And so the 12 gathered, and then all the disciples together, and this is what they said. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to what? To wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And then we will turn this responsibility over to them. And what we're about to see is, is a group of deacons get empowered in the early church, and, and we'll give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. This is what it says. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen. This, you could circle that in your Bible. That's going to be the figure we talk about today. A man that's full of faith and the Holy Spirit. They chose seven men full of faith full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit. We know them as deacons. This is kind of the early introduction into that. And they empowered them to meet needs and to serve the people so that the apostles could focus on some other things, teaching of the word and prayer. Verse 6, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and they laid hands on them. This was commissioning. And so the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem, it increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So that's kind of laying the framework for everything today. Let's kind of zoom out. We're going to go to 10,000 feet and get an overview. There were two groups in the early church who were at odds with each other. Have you all ever seen church conflict before? Oh, we're going to start having just, if you've got conflict, just come up. We're going to fight it out right here on stage. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But they've got some early church conflict and they're complaining, and they're arguing. And I just want to pause here because this is one of the easiest ways for the enemy to come in and wreak havoc on a church. Did you know this? Gossip and, and slander and confusion and complaining. And this is an open door for disunity. And we see the early church has power because there is unity. But where there is disunity, there is no power. And so if you are struggling with your brother and your sister in Christ, you need to get it right before you start worshiping the Lord, okay? There's power in unity. The enemy attacks at the beginning of the book of Acts from the outside in. And then what we see in chapter 5 and chapter 6 is the enemy starts attacking from the inside in. Ananias and Sapphira, they, they, were, they were faking it. They, they weren't real Christians, and they, they were actually leading people astray. They died, fun fact. And then you've got this group in the church who were at odds with each other on how do we take care of the widows. And, and this is what I'll say with this, and, and this was actually from a quote from one of our devotions that we do every single day online at newlifechurch.tv. Uh, one, of, one of our worship leaders said this, when the enemy can't stop the growth of the church, he will divide the church. I'm going to say it again. When the enemy can't stop the growth of the church, he will divide the church. Y'all know how most churches, have y'all ever heard of a church split? We believe in church plants, where the church plants and goes to reach another region, not because of disunity and confusion. Are y'all tracking with me? There's a difference. And so this is a division, and, and then men were appointed, and solution was made, resolution was made. Men were appointed. They were empowered to serve. The body was unified, and Stephen... Is chosen. He was a man full of the Spirit. He, he was full of wisdom, full of faith, full of God's grace and God's power. 
And he was always ready to make a defense for the hope that he had in Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, as we dive in, how are you going to be remembered? Like, make it personal. How are you going to be remembered? Stephen is remembered as a hero. I mean, he's not a superhero, but he was very much super obedient to God. He was an ordinary man that was filled with the Spirit of God, and he was obedient to God. And at this point in the text, the number of disciples was increasing rapidly. The church was growing. It says in verse 8, let's pick back up. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Circle this next word. Opposition, here we see it again, arose from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen. They began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against the wisdom that the Spirit gave him as he spoke. That stood out to me, by the way, that God gave him wisdom as he spoke. When you are handling conflict, when you're handling tension, you guys, be open to the Spirit of God as you speak. Are y'all tracking with me? As he is speaking, God is downloading things to him, and it says they couldn't stand up against the wisdom that he had. The world is flooded with information, by the way. Would you all agree? We've got an information overload, yet people are starving for the truth. The world is loaded down with info, yet they are starving for the truth and starving for wisdom. Verse 11, it says they, they secretly persuaded some men. Here we see that there's a plot twist. They persuaded some men to say, we've heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And so they stirred up, circle that, they stirred up people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and they brought him before the Sanhedrin and they, they produced false witnesses who testified. They began to lie on him, right? And this is what they said. This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place, which was not true. For we have heard him say that Jesus will destroy this place. And that he will change the customs that Moses has handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen as they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Now, I read this earlier, and I was like, it's going to be really hard not to sing the song from Hinder. You know, you got the face of an angel. You can't say lips because it gets a little weird. All right, just y'all grow up, grow up, all right? Write this down. Steer clear of those who stir. This is a... A relationship tip in your life, this is a relation tip, okay? Like, stay very, like, clear. Be very aware of people in your life that stir up conflict. Has anybody ever been around people? They just, it's like, it's like drama follows them everywhere they go. By the way, it is not a coincidence that drama follows that person everywhere they go. They eat drama for breakfast. Can I get an amen, Okay. There's, there is drama that follows certain people. I'm not saying you need to neglect them. I'm just saying you need to steer clear of those who stir up conflict. Because as a bystander, if you're just there and you listen to the drama and you're a part, you're going to end up getting caught up in it. And I think a lot of people get lost in drama. These, these religious men, they were stirring up drama, fake accounts. Y'all, there was four fake accounts of blasphemy. This was enough for someone to be put to death, which we see at the end of this text. They crossed the line. 
Write this down. Accusations will come against you. I came to really encourage you today, all right? Accusations will come against you. If you have lived for God for any amount of time, you know that there is opposition. We've talked about it. But it has a a purpose. There is an opportunity in opposition. But accusations will come against you. And this is from my pastor. This is what he told us as pastors and leaders. He said, you're either going to be falsely accused or you're going to be rightly accused. I'm going to say it again because I don't want you to miss it. You're either going to be falsely accused or you're going to be rightly accused. You get to choose. Everybody say, I get to choose. (laughs) You get to choose whether you have integrity or not. You get to choose, like Stephen, to be full of grace and and a spirit of wisdom and full of faith, or are you full of something else, okay? You get the choice whether you're going to be falsely accused or rightly accused. I would rather be falsely accused or rightly accused of preaching the Word of God. Are y'all tracking with me? Like, you get a choice whether you're going to live a life of purity, whether you've got something to hide or not, if you're going to be obedient to God, I'll say it this way. There is nothing more satisfying than being obedient to God. There is nothing more satisfying in your life to submitting to God's will and saying no to your own will. Because at some point in your life, you will be accused. At this point, Stephen is being accused falsely. But he stands his ground as we go into chapter 7. Chapter 6 ends with some drama. They're stirring some conflict up. Chapter 7 begins with a question. Don't miss this part. Verse 1, the high priest asked Stephen, this is what he says. It's a very simple question. Hey, are these charges true? And I love my boy Stephen because this is how he responds. Stephen, he he starts, this is like y'all talking to your kid. Hey, listen to me. (laughs) Hey, look at me. Zane has started saying this to me, and I'm like, don't say that to me. Hey, look at me. I'm like, don't tell me to look at you. You know, like, give me eye contact. Don't tell your daddy to give you eye contact. Boy, you're going to get whipped again. (laughs) Like, look at me. Like, he says, look at me. All of the religious people, they're they're looking at him, and this is what he does. He preaches a sermon. (laughs) It's a simple question, and Stephen preaches a whole sermon. I got something in common with Stephen, okay? I can answer a question with a 30-minute response if you give me time. Anybody else that way? This is what Kendra says. We'll be, like, counseling a couple, and I'll be like, hey, I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, and this is the phrase I say, hey, long story what? Short. And she's like, Seth, that really, really means you're going to tell the whole story with extra details, okay? Like, it's long story longer, right? Stephen goes into full detail about how everything that is spoken against him is not true. He preaches a whole message from verse 2 all the way down to like 50. And and I'm not going to go into all the details, but he covers Abraham, Moses, Joseph, David. He shares the gospel. He calls them out. There's an opportunity for repentance. Write this down. Always be ready to defend your faith. And I'm going to teach you how to do this. This is not fighting terms, by the way. Always be ready to defend your faith. I'm going to explain how to do it. A few weeks ago, we talked about how to not flinch when God calls you to do something, right? I don't want anyone to flinch. I want to expect God to ask me to do something bold in my life. He doesn't flinch. He doesn't miss a beat. First Peter tells us this in chapter 3. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with what? Gentleness and respect. If you get this part right or wrong, if you get it wrong, you will miss your opportunity. Write that down. Gentleness and respect. You can try to win people to Christ all day long, but if you don't have gentleness and respect, you will come up short. 
You have to be gentle and you have to have respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak malicely against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than doing evil with gentleness and respect. I wrote this down. The moment you lose your ability to gently respect someone, you have lost your ability to witness to them as well. I'm not saying be cowardly and tuck, tuck your tail and run. What I'm saying is there is a gentle way to handle confrontation. There, there's a gentle way. One of the best ways is to just serve people. It's really hard for somebody to talk bad about you when you're serving them. It's really hard for somebody to, to, to say bad things about you when you focus your life on serving them. Stephen never loses his cool, never loses his head. He uses gentleness and respect, but he never wanders from the truth. He tells them the truth. Start with your story, by the way. Write that down. Start with your story. Don't start just preaching the word of God. Talk about what God has how he's transformed your life. You can lead with the word of God. That may be your approach. But when I hear that, I think about people standing on a street corner saying, be saved or you're going to go to hell. <laughs> I want people to know this is where God met me at. This is who I was. God got involved, met me in the middle of my mess, transformed my life, and this is who I am today. This is what he's healed me from. Are y'all tracking with me? But this is who I am today. And then I get to share the word of God and how it's transformed and sharpened my life. So Stephen is about to suffer for doing good, and we see the first Christian about to die, the first martyr for his faith. Now, some of y'all are probably like, didn't Ananias and Sapphira die? Yeah, but they died because they lied, okay? Like, they didn't die because of their faith. They died because of their, their lack of it. And so we see Stephen, he speaks this full sermon, and I want to give these, these bold points at the end. We're about to close here in a second. I want to leave you with a couple of big thoughts. Verse 51, skip all the way down. This is what Stephen says. This, this sounds really aggressive, but this actually is him loving them. He says, you stiff-necked people. If y'all want to know how to rebuke somebody, just say that. You stiff-necked people, okay? Tell your kids, you stiff-necked. I'm just kidding. Your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. I'm going to explain all this. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. I was doing a study on the, the phrase stiff-necked, because I'm going to start saying that to people. Um, it's an agricultural term. And, and what, it is, what it's talking about is oxen that pull a plow. There's two oxen, there's a plow, and there's someone guiding the plow. Some, an oxen that is stiff-necked can't be directed to the left or the right. Y'all understand? So what they do is they go their own way. And so what he's saying is you are stiff-necked. You can't be directed to the left or the right. You think that your way is the best way. And I just know there's been many years of my life where I was stiff-necked. Anybody else? I'm still kind of hard-headed sometimes. Literally, it translates to stubborn, hard-headed, and unteachable. I don't want to be that. <laughs> Not submitted to the one that's leading you. And then he, he talks about the uncircumcised heart. This is a separation from God, not, not a pure heart. Verse uh, 53, it says, You who have received the law that was given through the angels, but you have not obeyed it. You have not obeyed it. Y'all, Stephen says you received the word, but you've not obeyed it. You haven't listened. Can I be vulnerable with, with, for a second with you guys? Like, there was a long time in my life that I did my own thing. 
I went my own way. I was, I was stiff-necked. I, I, I rebelled against God, and, and, I, and I literally made fun of Christians. I made fun of churches. I, I ridiculed people of faith. For years, I would hear the word, and I would refuse to obey it. I would refuse God's grace on my life because it seemed like it was too good to what? To be true. There's no way God could love somebody like me. I remember thinking, there's no way. I, I've done too much. I've said too much. I've seen too much. Y'all, y'all listen. Stephen is literally looking at a group of men, these religious leaders, who have a master's degree in religion, but they don't have a clue about a relationship with Jesus. Y'all ever met somebody like that? Not real pleasant to be around? They, they had a doctorate degree in disobedience to God, blatant disobedience to God, and he cannot get their attention. He speaks this whole message. And then he shows grace at the end. Y'all, I felt like I was supposed to remind some people this morning that you need to loosen up your neck, okay? <laughs> Jacksonville's coming out of me this morning. Loosen up your neck. What does that mean? You need to be redirected by the Holy Spirit. Let God lead you. Let God, in the middle of a conflict resolution situation, let him speak to you, and then you speak what he spoke to you. Be led by God. You have received the law that was given through the angels, but this is what he said. You haven't obeyed it. Write this down. Do or don't just hear it. Do what it says. James tells us in Scripture, right? This is what he says. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but what? Be a doer of the word. We can't just read it and have head knowledge. We have to do what it says. People of action. People, a church on the move. And y'all have y'all probably heard me say this way too many times. And he's like, here we go again. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Christians all week long, right? That is who we are. We celebrate on Sunday what God did Monday through Saturday. We come as, as the community of believers and we celebrate what God has done Monday through Saturday. But I want to ask you this morning, is anything worth celebrating during your week? You are empowered as the church to make a difference. I want you to, to write this down. Every, quest, every Sunday, I want you to ask these questions to yourself. There's two questions. What is God speaking to me, and what does he want me to do about it? What is God speaking to me, and what does he want me to do about it? And I just want to say, I highly encourage you write some stuff down in church. Because if you're like me, you're going to forget about it as soon as you leave this place. <laughs> What is he speaking to you, and what are you supposed to do about it? Stephen stands his ground, and this is what he says. You've received the law, but you have not obeyed it. And when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious. They gnashed their teeth at him. Have y'all ever seen someone gnash their teeth? Like, <laughs> you know, like, it's like a chihuahua. Looks like he's hadn't had Taco Bell in a long time. Like, gnashing their teeth at him. But it says, but Stephen, circle that. If you got a Bible, circle this, verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, in the moment you get squeezed, people are going to find out what is inside of you. When opposition comes your way and you get squeezed, what is inside of you will come out of you. It says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven. He, he speaks the gospel. And he saw the glory of God. And he says, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, look, he said, I see the heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen is saying, 
He's saying the man that died on the cross, the one that you guys crucified, the one that you guys lied about, he's sitting next to the Father in heaven. He's there. This is the gospel. This is the beginning of him. This is the truth and the grace. We see Stephen. He didn't just correct him and leave. He corrected him and he shared truth with them with gentleness and respect. But what does he do? He ends it with grace. Listen, if you just speak truth in your life and you don't have any grace, you need to wake up. But if you just speak grace and there's no truth, you also need to wake up. We need truth and we need grace. Can somebody say amen? We live in a world that's like, well, let's just be sensitive to everybody. No, we need truth and we need grace. But what is your truth? Just live your own truth is what the world screams. Don't live your own truth. We have the truth. It's the word of God. Well, don't live your own truth. We have what God said to do. He shares that he's next to his father in heaven. And he says, while you were sinning, he, Jesus, he was bleeding. Well, he was on that cross, and as you were spitting on him, he was forgiving you. He says, while you were humiliating him, he was dying for you. I can't read this and not be changed. Like, my heart is transformed. My mind has been transformed. Stephen, a man full of faith, he's standing before the religious leaders, and he's this is what they did. It says, at this, they, they covered their ears. And it says that these men began to yell at the top of their lungs. I read this and I, I stood up. This is where we live today. Please don't miss this. It says they covered their ears, they yelled at the top of their voices, and they rushed him. They drug him through the city and they began to stone him. Meanwhile, the, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, which, by the way, we're about to talk about him for the rest of the year. Saul, who we know as Paul, was transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you think you are too far gone to be used by God, please show up next week. We begin to see a man who literally had a degree in killing Christians and persecuting them get saved by the power and grace of God. He flips the, the early church upside down. He begins to preach the gospel. People getting saved left and right. Wasn't this the guy who used to persecute Christians? He was right here. He watches Stephen get killed for his faith. This guy named Saul. Listen, church, we live in a world that is covering their ears to the truth. We live in a world that when the truth is spoken, if it disagrees with what I believe, my own truth, I'm going to cover my ears and yell. And I'm going to pull Christians through the street. And then we're going to throw rocks at them until they'll shut up. Can I encourage you? Don't shut up. You better keep talking. Somebody's got to keep talking. But I'm going to ask you a question. Are you doing it with gentleness and respect? Because if the rocks are being thrown and you throw rocks back, you will lose the battle every time. I read this and I was like, this is it. I kept asking God this week, what, how do, what's the altar moment for the church? How do we respond? Stop throwing rocks. Stop throwing rocks on social media. Stop sending hateful texts to people who have different political views than you do. Stop the harassment. Stop all of it. Can we be gentle and can we love people and serve people and do it with gentleness and respect? And this is what happens. We, we see 
something crazy began to break forth in the book of Acts. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. While they were throwing rocks at him, he was drawing close to God. I just, man, I I was praying last night in my office. and, And this is what I prayed for the church, that while rocks are being thrown at you, you would actually get closer to Jesus. You wouldn't run from him because opposition. What if in our own life, opposition draws us closer to Jesus? It says, then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. This is the grace, by the way. We've seen the truth. He preaches the gospel. He says, you stiff-necked people, but he does it with love and with gentleness. And he redirects him to this moment. He fell on his knees and he cried out. He said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep one rock at a time. I want you to really get this picture. It's easy to read about this stuff in the Bible and just kind of glimpse. I don't want to glaze over it. One rock at a time. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many rocks do you think it took to kill Stephen? How many insults do you think it took for him to be buried in the grave? How many rocks were thrown for him to take his last breath? And then I want you to think about what you're walking through today. I'm not negating it. I'm not neglecting it. I'm not, what I'm saying is that you can endure it if you have Jesus. And this is what he does. He begins to pray to God. He says, have mercy on them for they know not what they do. Does that sound familiar to anybody? This is a picture of Jesus on the cross. He's about to die for, for all of humanity. People are insulting him and crucifying him. Forgive them for they know not what they do. And from chapter six to seven, we see a lot of truth. But y'all, we see the exclamation mark of God's grace to end this thing. Are y'all thankful for the grace of God this morning? I'm thankful for it. Stephen models truth and grace. Write that down. He models truth and grace. He was bold enough to stand before those who persecute him, yet graceful enough to share the truth and love. He was bold enough to preach in the face of opposition, yet graceful enough to do it knowing he would die. He was bold enough to preach against sin. Can I tell you, church, if you want a church that doesn't preach against sin, this ain't the church. Sin will destroy your life. It separates you from God, and it is not God's will for your life. And we ain't going to change what the Bible says to make anyone happy. Sin is sin. It separates you from God, and God wants relationship with you. That's a good time to, yeah, make some noise for God. This may seem like a devastating life-ending moment, but can I tell you there's so much purpose in Stephen's pain? Don't miss this. There's always purpose in your pain. There's always purpose in your pain. Chapter 7 ends, chapter 8 begins, and we see the Great Commission take place. Do not miss this. I'm telling you, this is, every, this is it. This is everything. Therefore, go and make disciples of all what? Nations. The, the gospel had been contained to the walls of Jerusalem at this point. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And by the way, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And this is what happens. We see the gospel go from the neighborhood to the nations. Because one man was willing to stand up for what he believed in all the way into his death. This is what we see. 
Stephen's pain led to the spreading of the gospel. We're going to end with this thought, and then I'm going to pray. Eight, or chapter 8, verse 1, it says this, On that day, great persecution broke out against the church. They scattered to Judea and Samaria, and those who scattered, they preached the word wherever they went. Philip reaches in Samaria, and he preaches, and demon-possessed people get healed. There's miracles, signs, and wonders, people getting healed, people being set free. It ends by saying there was great joy in that city. Do you want to know why there was great joy in that, that city? Because there was a guy that rock after rock, he kept his head. He kept his cool. He didn't lose his, his witness. And when the Christians were scattered because of Stephen's death, the gospel actually began to spread across the world. We are a byproduct today of Stephen being obedient. Are y'all tracking with me? There's, there's purpose in your pain. If you will endure it with Christ, there is purpose in your pain. And the thing that the enemy used and is trying to use to tear you down and separate you, God can use it for good. If you would just close your eyes, I want to pray for you. God, this, this text came alive last night and we see this guy who dies for his faith and, and he's obedient to you. He All the way into his death, every rock that's thrown, he never loses his head. He never loses his cool. He keeps his faith. And this is my prayer today. It's very simple, God, that we would keep our head, that we would have gentleness and respect, that we would speak against sin, but that we would love the sinner, that we would be able to, to earn the approval of outsiders by the way that we love them and serve them, that we would be a church that celebrates on Sunday what you are doing in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, Monday through Saturday. God, we want to be a church that's alive. We don't want a dead church. So God, begin to do a work in us today. And, and God, I just pray that every person today would ask those two questions. What are you speaking to me? And what do you want me to do about it? God, give us the boldness and courage to do something, to do something about it so that the world can see you. Move in this place today, God. Help us change whatever needs to be changed in our life and help us draw close to you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. If you would stand to your feet, let's worship God together.